Is she up top where it says her start? I love, I love it. It gives us the countdown and everything, man. Yeah, no, I'm loving this video software. This is pretty cool that I'm able to see you now while we're recording these things legit. For anyone that doesn't know, one, we're recording. Welcome to the podcast. It's another amazing Learn Lead Thursday. And we're on Zencaster. We've been using a platform called Zencaster for a while now. Amazing, amazing. We have no affiliate marketing with them or anything, but would definitely recommend everyone go check them out if you're looking to start a podcast or just create awesome audio quality. They uh, now implemented a video portion of this, which we're going to start utilizing to post to YouTube eventually and start creating some uh, some Instagram content, things like that. I'm loving this thing. It's about time they up they up the the ante. I mean, it's a high definition Zoom call. If you thought if you think our audio sounds good on the podcast. It's because the audio that we're using is through Zencaster, which compresses our voices into a cloud and takes it. It does all these. It does all this high tech stuff that's way above my head, so I'm not even going to pretend to know about it. But it makes it sound essentially like you're listening to, you know, Sirius Radio, Sirius Satellite Radio, or something like that. Now they're taking that to another level with this video aspect to it. I'm 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 thinking that our uh, our fee to be on this thing is going to have to go up or double or something. I'm waiting for. <laughs> for sure, they definitely threw a bunch of money into software. Well, I mean, one thing, I mean, your your audio right now is garbage. And I know you're in the office uh, yeah, on the headphones earbuds. instead of the yeah. mic. You got the, the, the Apple earbuds here, but it's all right. You know, I, I think that's the beauty of what's going on in the the world now with the whole COVID thing. I think everyone understands that a lot of things are virtual. So people are willing to sacrifice audio quality for value. How bad is sense. this audio quality? Is it that bad? No, it's not terrible. It's just it's just very obvious that we're on like a, a virtual different, call. Yeah, a different you know. platform. You see, on my end, you sound like you're, you know, like I'm listening to the podcast or a podcast. Like it sounds mm-hmm. legit. I'm sure yeah, yeah. it's not the same for me. So It's all right. Maybe bring your mic into the office one time, you know. Yeah, have little, some feel just a little bit i'm interested to know like when we when we stop recording this how it compresses everything down if, if we're able to get this video off because i think that the one thing we would agree with as well as anyone that's given us feedback is we don't have enough video content and it, it comes down it came down to like time and knowledge and honestly just the money the dollar amount to invest in a platform before this came out to videotape yourself trim the content trim the video put it up on the social media or put it up somewhere like that's a full-time job in itself i i'm just i'll be honest i'm not willing to do it i'm not willing to take that amount of effort for something to be honest that's not gonna that doesn't compensate us while we're trying to build businesses right that makes sense you know well i mean and the audio is great i'm enjoying it but now this is a great system we can implement which we'll we're gonna play around with so guys feel free to give us feedback on that um, like I said, welcome to another episode of the Learn Lead Podcast. Season two has been amazing. Some awesome guests. Got another one that we're going to introduce a little bit later. Just want to get a quick update and cover a couple points on our end here. Landon, how's 75 Hard going? I know you're, uh, last time we spoke, we're about 40-something days in. You know, we record a week before, so this is going to be on a Thursday. So we're actually talking a week before now. What day are you on right now? I am on day 45. And uh, I'm pulling up my app just to confirm this, that I'm not bullshitting you. So, no, I'm on day 45. It's it's kind of a way of life now. Um, mm-hmm. It's really the only way to say it. It's been cool. It's been great. Um, I lost 10 pounds without trying. So, nice. yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I, it's pretty obvious you're, you're following a diet. You're working out twice a day. The workouts don't have to be. I think I've said this before. You don't have to be, you know, running yourself into the ground at both workouts. But I think it's just the long term consistency that, that gets the results and the results. I, I could care less about the weight. I was more so interested to see how long I could go without alcohol, if I could do it. 
you go back and listen to one of the first episodes when he mentioned this, Tony mentioned this to me like about a year ago, probably. And I, and I, I like scoffed at it. Mm-hmm. Like, There's no way I could stop drinking for that, you know, two and a half months. And then I don't know, I kind of hit a revelation and it's been great, man. Hey, I'm proud of you, bro. And nothing, not even a hiccup yet. Not like, has there been any crazy, I'm sure there's been temptations, Dude, yeah. but there's you been know, some it's really a mental game nights. for sure. Yo, there's been some really tough nights. The nights get tough because in the morning you wake up, your body's hurting. You know, I, you get a pretty early on, like within the first two weeks, you wake up with this mental clock of like, all right, I know that I need to accomplish, you know, these two workouts a day, the 10 pages, the the diet, the no cheat meals, the no alcohol, uh, you know, would I, did I miss anything there? I think that's all the tasks. Should yeah, know the, the, oh, progress the progress picture. picture. There you go, the yeah. progress picture. You have to go through all these tasks every day. The app is super helpful. If I didn't have the app, inevitably something would have slipped through the cracks. I would have forgotten a progress picture. I would have forgotten something. The app gives you notifications. It's five bucks, but if you're going to do this thing, you've got to have the app. No questions about it. Um, there's been a handful of times where I finished my second workout at like 1156. I was out, I was out in Cleveland <laughs> for work last week. It was 15 degrees out. I had gotten up early in the morning, got my lift in. We, we worked all day. We did an event that ended around seven 30 at night. We had barely ate, you know, barely had any, we were dehydrated and I get back, we get back to the hotel. It's like 10 45. I got to run to my room, change, get into some gear. Cause I had, I had to work out outside. It's snowing. The wind's blowing. We're right off. I love Lake, it. Lake Erie. Savage. Yeah, it's eleven. It's eleven p.m. I'm running in the city of Cleveland. It's dead quiet. No one's out there. I'm getting. I'm getting like heckled by homeless people. It was. It was a nightmare, <laughs> the but, creepy vibes out there. Yeah, at that time. I mean, but that was that was probably the toughest night so far, um, without a question. And then there was one time. Last story. The one time, my my diet requires me to eat within an eight hour window, and. I wasn't paying attention one night and I go upstairs to the kitchen and I grab a handful of grapes and I throw them in my mouth and it was like 9.03 and the window that I typically stick to is from is from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Anything outside of that window, I'm not supposed to eat anything. So I threw these grapes in my mouth and I started chewing them and I immediately like my heart dropped and I looked over at the clock and it was literally like 9.13, 9.15, something like that. And I was like, I ran right to the trash can and spit it out. <laughs> I love that though. Yeah, dude. I, love I mean, that. If, if you listen to Andy Frasilla, the guy that talks about this, anyone that's, that's, that hasn't heard him speak about this challenge, you're going to think I'm crazy or I'm like way over the top. But you didn't do 75 hard if you if you made any compromises. So that's yeah, if you no, deviate even a little bit. So I've been, I've been, it's been great, man. It's been a great mental toughness exercise more than anything. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, and it's nothing that's so hard. It's just the constant daily activity that you have to do, the discipline that it takes. And, you know, hearing that story is amazing. You know what I'm saying? I, that's like, that's the shit that Andy wants to hear. You know, I'm going to send right. this to Andy and hopefully he hears this and understands like that's that's next level stuff, which gives me a little segue into the book that I was reading just before and the book that we're reading for our book and networking group, oh, the Can't Very Hurt cool. Me by David Goggins. You know, the attention to detail is so imperative when you're trying to be a high performer that, you know, spitting out a handful of grapes at 903 is something actually that's, uh, you know. <laughs> on the low end of the spectrum to the amount of detail that these guys put into their lives. You know, David Goggins, I read the book about a 400 page book in four days, zoomed through it. Um, my girlfriend actually, uh, she got mad. I was a little neglecting her on Valentine's day a little bit, uh, just reading the book the whole time. I was obsessed. I was obsessed. (laughs) Um, but this man is, if you haven't heard of David Goggins, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've somewhat heard of David Goggins, but he is an absolute beast. The, the amount of things he went through in his childhood 
I won't ruin it too much, but he had it real rough and he overcame things. And now he literally just puts himself through voluntary suffering just for the purpose of suffering, you know, because at the end of the day, life really is suffering and we have to find beauty in that suffering so that we can form a calloused mind so that we can put ourselves in situations physically to now master our mindset. If that makes sense. And that's literally that's literally to a T. Like you 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 use the exact words that I was gonna use as callous mind. Like that's what he talks about. That is literally his point. And he talks about the cookie jar, talks about being able to reward yourself and motivate yourself for when you when you face adversity and whatnot. I'm I'm a little over halfway into it. And uh, it's been a great book. It's been a great read. I'm impressed with the, how fast you went through that. I'm 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 sticking to the ten pages a day, uh-huh. with the, with, but I'm not. You know, I haven't really deviated from I'm, it. But I definitely want to by the time I'm done ten pages. Dude, I'm I'm zooming through books, man. I'm trying to get to forty this year, uh, and it's looking like it. I'm I'm read, I'm on pace to read about three to four a month, uh, and I and I study them. You know, I'm fully going through them, underlining, creating summaries for them. That actually leads me into something. Before I forget, anyone who's listening to this, if you want to join the book club or the networking group, March thirty first is our first quarterly. Zoom discussion, more than welcome to have you on. What we're doing is we're creating an entire network of people that just want to be high achievers and feed each other's brains. Obviously, it's going to be centered around a book, but everyone's going to have a platform to you know say what they do so that if there's business opportunities, great. If there's not, great. I think it's really important that we feed each other's brains with people that are not common You know, because unfortunately, sometimes we surround ourselves with people that don't want what we want, and it brings us down like crabs in a bucket, if you ever heard that analogy. Yeah. And so it's really important to get around people that are trying to do the same stuff so that you can mastermind and, you know, have a little motivation going into the next quarter. So feel free to DM us. Um, And yeah, just really excited about that. It has me thinking about the next book that I'm reading actually called Atomic Habits. And feel free to stop me if I'm ranting here. No, no, no. I just wanted to, I wanted to touch on it just a little bit about some of the things that I'm reading here. And it's all these things that, you know, you read all this stuff and you know it. You know, nothing that you're going to read basically is something that you've heard for the first time, but the way that it's interpreted and the way it's broken down in books like this and by great authors is just so mind blowing, just seeing it on paper in a way that maybe you've never seen it before. And so Atomic Habits is all about, it's being a, a, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones, which is just the daily consistency, small things such as 75 hard, you know, getting up, making your bed or getting that workout in or doing something. And, you know, the, the first chapter that I read, it had me really thinking about um, goals and systems, right? It's great to have goals, right? It's great. No one's saying that goals are bad, but goals also have downsides to them. You know, goals have a finality to them. And if you're a high achiever, you know, eventually you're going to want more. So it leads to this feeling that I'm not going to be happy until I hit my goal. And then eventually you're not going to be happy because you're going to want more. So if you just work on creating a system that's good for long-term sustainability, then that's the way to go, man. If you want better results, forget about setting goals and focus on your system instead. You know, that system is going to set you up for long-term sustainability. You know, he says, if you're an entrepreneur, your goal might be to build a million-dollar business, but your system is how you test product ideas, hire employees, and run marketing campaigns. It's good to have a goal, but you have to dissect that goal into plans of action. I think that's where we go wrong. We, a lot of us go, uh, you know, so hard at writing down goals and that's great, you know, to have these things down on paper, but how are we going to reverse engineer that goal to actually make an action plan to hit it? Does that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, and that's something we did at our dinner 
you know, you create these goals in the macro, but what are we going to do in the micro to set us up to hit that and achieve long-term sustainability? Figured I'd touch upon that. I know I'm ranting a little bit. It gets me excited. No, no, I, this I mean, I mean to add to it before we switch up, my, my, my buddy Austin was from work was telling me it's a Tony Robbins thing, but it goes off of what you're saying. The, what people see on the surface, whether it's, you know, success or an achievement, whatever the hell it is, really all that is, is, is a culmination of a bunch of small decisions that just pile up. And, and David Goggins talks about in the book too, not, not to make this a freaking book review, but it's all the little sparks that start for that rocket to take off. It takes, it takes one spark before the, the actual, the full, you know, fire ignites. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, no, I mean, think about it. People think that people that become successful are just an overnight success, but they didn't see the five, 10 years that they put in gradually over time, which one day compiled to what it was. You know, think about the bamboo tree. The bamboo tree takes five years to grow, right? You see literally nothing. And then a span of like nine days, it grows like 50 feet. You know, so all this, all this stuff that you're doing, you have to put in mind that, you know, this, it's going to happen one day, but you have to stay consistent. You have to understand that it's not going to happen overnight. We are in, we live in this um, instant gratification society, which is not good for long-term sustainability because we quit too quickly because we're not seeing results. You know, you have to buy into that small daily wins. And, you know, we're going to talk about in this, in this episode with Rory Douglas, he's a financial educator and life performance coach. We talk a lot about finances and compound interest. The way you feed your brain is just like compound interest. All the little habits that you create compound into an amazing thing one day. And on the contrary, all the bad things you do compound even worse. So you got to make sure that you're giving this attention to detail every day on even the smallest habits. And I digress right there. You know, I hope you guys really enjoy this interview. Rory was an amazing guy out in the West Coast. Um, Like I said, he's a financial educator, life performance coach, doing some great things out there. Got anything to say about that? As Joe Simon said, the best book you can read is the one that you're writing, right? Um, I love that. And I think uh, I think Rory's writing a good book for himself, and he's got a lot of value to provide. Well said. Well, hope everyone enjoys their day, and without further ado, Rory Douglas. Here we got Mr. Rory Douglas, a financial educator and life performance coach out in Calabasas, California. Rory, how's it going? It's going super, guys. How you guys doing out there? Couldn't be better. Right now is a great time. Loving life. Everything's great. Excited to chat about someone so well-versed in your field. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, and I'm excited to be with you guys to uh, chop it up and talk about a few things. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. So let's uh, let's get right into it. Let's briefly discuss a little bit more of your personal background. Well, my personal background, uh, when it first started, it was actually most likely not to succeed. I started off as a, uh, a troubled youth in school. I got kicked out of every elementary school and every high school. And I was labeled, as I said earlier, troubled youth. But I suffered from something that was called dyslexia. I read things backwards. 
And it wasn't until my mom one day was going down the road uh, with me in the, inside of our car, and she insisted that I read some instructions, and I read the instructions backwards so she knew something was wrong. And the reason I was labeled a troubled youth is because when I was in class, I was a, I was an A student, but I every time it was open book or tests, it, it frightened me like hell. So I would disrupt the class and get kicked out. That's the reason that happened. But once uh, I um, my mom realized something was going on, I got uh, some counselors and, and the principal, and then I actually had some uh, training about my disability. So I always tell people to this very day that you can have a disability, but you don't have to be disabled. So I overcame my disabilities. That's how it started. But I'm actually a starch entrepreneur with almost uh, 30 years experience in, in, in as far as being an entrepreneur. I have a passion to help people pursue their purpose, uh, specifically in the areas of uh, financial education as well as financial literacy. So that's pretty much my background. Uh, originally, I was actually in the music industry and did a lot of had a lot of accomplishments in in that particular field. Had a music label with my late uh, business partner. His name was Joseph Gelman. He's no longer here. God bless his soul. And uh, we did a lot of great things, some platinum record projects and some gold record pro projects. But when I was in the music industry, uh, the same thing arised. I've actually accumulated a lot of success, a lot of revenue, but I didn't really, really understand things financially which means at the end of the year, we made a lot of revenue, but I was always left with uh, the taxes and pretty much not being in a good place. So uh, from the music industry, it changed on me because at the time it was a CD industry where you actually had uh, CDs and the industry went from CDs to downloads. And when the industry shifted from CDs to downloads, the profit margins were really, really wide was normally making about $5 a CD and to go from $5 to 99 cent was pretty much tanking going out of the business. So I sold my uh, entertainment company to a very known music company and uh, made some great money, still get residuals to this very day. However, uh, I reflected back to my disability in the very beginning in terms of uh, the dyslexia. And I said to myself, I said, uh, I'm not going to never allow myself to get in a financial crunch like this again. I'm going to learn about business. So everything I could get my hands on about business, I studied it. I jumped back in school, took some courses in business, studied, studied, studied. And when I was doing that, I began to realize that that's exactly what my passion was. So I always tell people to this very day that your passion will always lead you to your purpose. So what I do today is actually my purpose. It's my passion. I don't even consider it work because I love what I do. So to make a long story short, that's exactly who I am, and I currently have an internationally best-selling book uh, with a good colleague of mine, and you guys have heard of him, Tony Robbins, and also um, Kevin Harrington from ABC to Shark Tank previously, and Jim Britt, which is also a life coach. We have a book right now. It's an international bestseller. It's called Cracking the Rich Code, and that's exactly who I am. That's where I am right now. Uh, I appreciate that. It's an awesome story, and uh, definitely excited to read that book. I'm going to grab that as we speak. Uh, what I want to circle back to is for a lot of people that don't understand financial literacy, obviously it is a, that is one of the real pandemics of today. People not really understanding how, uh, putting your money to work, works, saving money, uh, taxes, things like that. What does financial literacy mean to you? Well, when you think about the state of America right now, where the average American is one to two paychecks away from being homeless. And one out of three families carry credit card debt. 
an average American family cannot even handle a $400 emergency. Financial literacy is simply financial education. And the principles uh, surrounding financial literacy is actually really not even taught in our schools. And it's not talk, talked about in our families, and our homes. And right now, uh, debt becomes a way of life. So financial literacy, I think, is a, a must. But to really answer the question is basically financial education. And once you receive financial education, you'll have money for a lifetime and not a lunchtime. And I think that uh, that's what happens a lot in our communities, because I've never seen a riot in the 700 credit score neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Question to build off that for you. So talking about the education system, and I and I couldn't agree more. I think culturally, there's a huge dilemma. You know, we, we have to gra- I always say to people, we have to graduate high school and know the difference between cosine, tangent, and sine, yeah. but you don't have to wow. know the difference between a stock and a bond or what financial responsibility means. So as far as, you know, solution for solution purposes, what do you think the education system from kindergarten through 12th grade should be implementing into their you know curriculum for kids to start learning about in, in the schools? Well, basically they should have basic financial literacy 101 uh, classes, teaching people things like compounding interest, uh, the rule of 72, uh, basic fundamental principles of finance. That's exactly what they need because when it's all said and done, it, it's all the basics and you then you build from there. So I think that they should keep it pretty much plain and, and clear by giving kids uh, the, the basics. I travel throughout the United States and go to several elementary schools and high schools just to give back. And when I do financial literacy workshops and kids light up because it's like something that's totally new because what kids are studying now is so outdated. That's the reason why I think financial literacy should be in all of our schools. But right now, uh, here in California, where I am, California had recently got a, a D grade when it comes down to financial literacy. So we have to get financial literacy in our schools, primarily in our homes. One thing I, I to go off that too, and I couldn't agree more, one thing that I think is so crucial for high school kids in general is some level of, of education around student debt, what private loans mean, what interest rate, what an interest rate means on a, on a, on a loan, as simple as that probably sounds to us. I remember being 18 years old coming out of college. I mean, coming out of high school into college, not really, you know, I knew that I was going to get the money and I didn't really care how I was going to get paid back. I didn't really care what the interest rate was. I just knew that it was going to, I was going to get college paid for it. I wish that there was some type of education around what student loans are doing to people today after they graduate and get that piece of paper, you know? Wow. That's interesting. You said that because I'm a certified college specialist and I'll say this, that, you know, the average college student gets out of college with about $28,000 debt. If they're pursuing to be a doctor or a lawyer, it could be anywhere from $100,000 to $200,000 debt. And college loans, student loans have the highest percentages. And that's something that's staggering because the average person who went to college in America is still in student loan debt in their late 40s. And that's the reality. So it's a, wow. it's a big difference when you think in terms of APR versus APY. And, you know, so we have to really get into the APY, you know, annual percentage yield. And it comes down to financial literacy. Once again, it comes down to the basics. And uh, I've learned in life that uh, if a person learns the basics, they can actually beat the person at the top. It depends on how if they really, really are studying the basic the basics the right way. In martial arts, I've seen white belts beat black belts because they were good at the basics. That's why I say that, you know, in our schools, let's stress the basics of financial literacy. 
So therefore, people can really, really understand when it comes down to investing and stocks and things of that sort. I have a formula that I use, and that formula is a, is a simple formula. The formula is, is basically the first thing you have to have is a foundation. I always tell people when you're building a house, what's the most important part? The foundation. Well, what happens if the foundation's weak? The house falls. Then you go from a solid foundation to what we call debt management. What I mean by debt, there's good debt, there's bad debt. What is good debt? Good debt, I'm paying for my student loan or my mortgage. Bad debt, credit cards, bills in general. Then we go from, from, from a debt management plan to what we call an emergency fund. And what's that emergency fund? I call it the 10-20 rule. You want to have about 10 times your monthly expenses saved up just for emergencies. And the 20 represents 20 times your annual salary to retire. So if you make $60,000 a year, you need 1.2 to retire, not at one time, but over time. And then after that, the emergency fund, now we go to investments and savings. But people do it polar opposite today. So now I want to piggyback off that for a lot of people listening to the show. A lot of people that do tune in are young entrepreneurs, right? So let's say you're a young entrepreneur coming out of college, not crazy amount of debt, and you want to create a financial plan, but at the same time, a lot of people, a lot of the things I struggle with when I'm talking to some clients is they don't want to lock something in on a uh, a long term plan that's going to jam them up to not reinvest in their business. So what's a what's a some advice that you have for young entrepreneurs that they want to make sure that they're comfortable to save a good amount for long term planning, but at the same time reinvesting a lot of money back into themselves and their businesses? You know, I think. For young entrepreneurs, and I deal with it on a day-to-day basis, that I think young entrepreneurs first have to actually study what they're actually going after. Because when you really think about what's happening right now in America, you know, in the next five years, statistics are saying that over 85 million, I repeat, 85 million jobs will be displaced in America due to artificial intelligence. So when we go into the supermarkets, we see machines, the airport machines, the banks machines, and those machines are not there for convenience. Those machines are there to take someone's job. So I think young people as entrepreneurs, they have to really, really um, discover their passion by whatever whatever they're doing. In other words, they have to really, really study what they're doing, and then they have to make an investment in that. But I think a, a lot of young people, they make a mistake because they... You know, the average college student changes their major on average four times. And I see that that four times cause cause a lot of young people a lot of stress and not only a lot of stress, it sets them back. That's the reason why I think that financial literacy is so important, because you got to really, really do your due diligence before you even get started on which way you're going, what, what field are you going to pursue? And I think most people are not doing that. They just jump off into something and they're figuring it out and they, they accumulate a lot of debt, a lot of mistakes. And I'm not saying that you can't make mistakes because I do know that success is often found in the pile of mistakes. But the bottom line is, I think we have to, I I would advise young entrepreneurs to start off by making good choices, to really, really investigate what they're about to venture and then looking at at exactly, you know, what what does this field pay? You know, what kind of career this can actually be for me? So I think they have to really, really go back to the basics once again understand what they're getting involved in and they do their due diligence before they take that path. Makes sense. I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, now another one thing while, while we're on the topic of financial literacy, I know we were going to shed some light on the, uh, the the life coaching side of your business. Do you mind talking about the role that life insurance plays within creating generational wealth at a young age or an older age? 
Wow, you guys are very smart over there. I love that. Uh, well, when it comes down to life insurance, I always tell people it's called life insurance. But you'd be surprised that the average American associate life insurance as death insurance. Can you use life insurance for if a person passed? Quite naturally, you can. But the correct definition of life insurance, in my opinion, is actually to transfer wealth. Now, when you think about Earlier, I said the average American is one to two paychecks away from being homeless and one out of three carry debt and millennials virtually have zero savings. What are they going to transfer to the next generation? So we have a cycle of debt being passed from one generation to the next generation. I think today where we are with life insurance, it's a necessity. It's a must have if you're going to transfer wealth. If you're not born into wealth, uh, therefore, you're going to need some form of life insurance. So to me right now, being... um, a millionaire is easier than ever. Creating generational wealth is easier than ever. However, we have to understand how to use life insurance, what type of life insurance, and that's what's what's really important because a lot of people use life insurance that's pretty much outdated. I'll give you guys an example. You know, uh, we, we talk about whole life. Whole life uh, is it's for your whole life, but on average, it yields people anywhere between three to four percent or so. Bank has given us minus 1%. So we have to have at least 5% or greater just to be taxes and inflation. So you want to make sure that if you do have a cash value life insurance, you want to make sure that you're getting interest. So the bottom line is, is accumulating compounding interest and also transferring uh, wealth and not necessarily using life insurance with the mindset that it's a death insurance. That's a particular type of insurance, like final expense. That's for burying people. If I said auto insurance, that's for your car, homeowner's insurance for your home. So we have to really, really understand what life insurance is, how to use it, but use it as a tool to create generational wealth. And as I said earlier, so you can have money for a lifetime and not a lunchtime. Mm -hmm. It it just really baffles me that people are so quick to insure their phones, insure their cars, do all these things. And then you ask them to insure their life and they they don't even want to like consider the, the concept of doing it. Go back to financial literacy once again. Same thing. It, it, it goes back to the basics again. That's why people will insure their phone before they insure themselves. I always tell people when value is made clearly, decisions are made easily. So we got to put value in our young people so therefore they make the right decisions. Makes complete sense. So I want to transition maybe and talk more about you know cracking the rich code. Can you tell our, our listeners a little bit more about that book, what it means to you personally, and and uh, what your goal is that they get out of it. Cracking the Rich Code is a book that's an entrepreneur's blueprint. Cracking the Rich Code basically give a lot of these things that I'm talking about right now that the rich and the wealthy knows that we're actually giving to the common person. Because there is a code when it comes down to the rich and the wealthy. Um, doctors have a language, lawyers have a language, and the rich and the wealthy has a language. So cracking the rich code is basically giving that language and also giving tools to become a successful entrepreneur. In other words, having the necessary tools to be able to be successful as an entrepreneur. For instance, some like uh, your nine to five, you know, turn your nine to five to your five to nine. In other words, if you're not willing on working 16 hours a day for yourself, then you're not a true entrepreneur. So Cracking the Rich Code is giving individuals the necessary tools that it takes to be successful as an entrepreneur and also realistic principles 
to let people know that it does take hard work and determination, but it's well worth it. And not only that, we also are giving um, a lot of formulas, a lot of things that we're talking about right now, financial concepts, uh, compounding interest and things of that sort, market uh, uh, figures and things of that sort. So we give them like a, a hooray of information to young entrepreneurs. But at the same token, it's not just a financial book. It's a book that talks about finance. And it's also a book that talks about what it takes to be successful. And it's also giving a lot of nuggets in terms of other things that we went through personally in our lives, our struggles and our accomplishments. And just basically, it's a book that speaks to the entrepreneur. And I think that uh, it's doing extremely well. People are really, really getting it and it's changing a lot of lives. Let's transition a little bit more to your the life coaching side of things. This is something that really interests me. You see a lot of uh, a lot of these businesses popping up via Instagram, Facebook, things like that. I, I definitely consider one day doing one as well, just because I, I have such a passion for it and the entrepreneurial spirit of it is so awesome. Tell us a little bit more about how you got into that space and how you run it. Well, the life coaching space I got into actually it was it was not uh, uh, by design. It actually just happened. Because uh, me as actually being an, an entrepreneur and me being a person that, that pretty much I'm, I'm so full of um, passion and I love to help people. So I've helped so many people become entrepreneurs. And once I realized that, OK, I help people to become entrepreneurs, they accumulated, they, they accumulated rather a lot of financial success. But when I really thought about it, I said, well, how did they how did they accumulate that financial success? They did it because of the things that I was actually telling them, the stuff that I was putting inside of them. And people started to tell me, hey, you know, working with you has really changed my life. You know, the things that you told me. And I began to realize, wow, it really wasn't so much the financial concepts I gave people and the strategies. It was really the tools I gave them in terms of how to get over any obstacle they may have, they may be facing uh, it just—it was just one of those things where people started to really, really tell me, hey, thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping me. So I pretty much just fell into the life coaching space because of that. And I actually had a person that was really, really known that actually came to me and said, hey, you know, can you give me some coaching? And uh, I gave him some coaching and uh, he scratched me a check. And once I got that check, I said, wow, I can make this type of revenue talking to people. And I love talking to people. And it went from one client to the next client. And then I made a decision to actually full-fledged and start uh, myself as being a, a life coach. And I've been doing it for years. And uh, I love it because, you know, it's building people. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about building people. I think that um, a lot of people predicate life on financial success. But I know for sure that if you give a man a fish, he'll eat it. But if you show a man how to fish... He'll have it for a lifetime. So that's what it's all about. It's all about giving information, giving people motivation, not only motivation, inspiration, and let, letting people know that, you know, tough times don't last, but tough people do. I always tell people there's never any losses. There's only lessons. And not only that, don't be afraid to make a mistake because success is often found in a pile of mistakes. So I show a lot of people really how to get to it and get over it. And uh, those are the things that you need when you are out there as an entrepreneur. You need some some skills that's going to keep you tough because when everything is going great, that's great. But when things are not going great, now what? What are you going to do during those times? So that's why I think that people not only should be given 
financial principles and, and, and tools to actually be successful. But more than that, they need to have the, the mental capacity and, and the space to deal with what they may be dealing with, the obstacles they may have along the way. They need that. They need that information also, too, and that encouragement. And I give give them that with passion. Amen. Uh, and I mean, there's what what's better than to just live your life of serving and get paid to do so, you know, that, and that's something that, you know, you're, you're never really working a job if you think about it in that way. And what I wanted to ask a little bit more in depth is what are like, how are the sessions? How do they go? You know, how do you go about when you first get a client and then as you work with them, is it just a, a buy call basis or, you know, is it like sometimes maybe a therapy session if they need one or what, what are those conversations like? Well, the first thing is like a, a consultation. I sit down with them and I always tell people, you can't build someone if you don't know them. So if you run off into someone's therapy session, if they don't know you, they can't really build you. And I know a lot of uh, uh, individuals, and I'm not pointing figures, but a lot of people, they pretty much go off the same grid and they follow the same thing. So if you went to one session, you've seen it a thousand times. But with me, it's different. What I do is I sit people down. I have a real conversation with you, a real conversation. And then once I have that conversation with you, I actually find out exactly what motivates you. You know, not only what motivates you, what accomplishments you had. Uh, how was your childhood? What's bothering you? You know, what's plaguing you? What's going on in your life? And I pretty much take people's weaknesses and their vulnerabilities. And then I show them how to turn that into their superpower. That's what I told you guys early in this in early in this interview. I told you guys in the very beginning when I suffer from dyslexia, I use my vulnerability as my superpower because I got over it. So I show people how to deal with their problems and actually how to actually how to get over it. The financial part is the easy part. The success part is the easy part. The hard part is really getting in touch with the individual and finding out what's really inside of that individual because I noticed that most people when you sit down with them and you talk to them, they'll give you uh, the clean version. They'll give you the version that sounds merry and, and great, but they don't really, really give you uh, what's really going on. So I have a, a formula that I use just by talking to people to really find out what's really going on in their lives. And then once we find that out, we start working on that. Uh, it gets it, it just gets better. And then also, too, I don't compromise this. I'm a man of faith. I'm actually an ordained pastor. But I don't come from that standpoint as a pastor, but I do use spiritual principles also, too, with natural principles. So therefore, I can actually uh, I can relate in a lot of different ways. So, Roy, you're you're impacting all of these lives in such a positive way. I want to look behind the curtains. What is what is your personal life look like? My personal life is so freaking fun and happy that if it gets if it gets any better, I'm going to complain. In other words, what I'm saying to you guys is this, the, the, the roof could be falling in in my life, but it's not going to get me down. Uh, things could be upside down in my life, but it's not going to get me down because I have uh, the mindset to be committed to staying positive at all times. Because I, I've learned in life that in every dark spot or dark corner of your life, there's light in it if you really, really hang in there and, and look at things on the bright side, you'll come out better. That's what it's all about. And so when it comes down to my life, what, you, what you're hearing right now is exactly what you get. I'm just, I'm extremely, um, just extremely, not just confident, but I'm extremely 
motivated and extremely determined to just look at the goodness in everything. I'll give you an example. I'm talking to you guys right now. Uh, my mom right now is actually in the hospital. Uh, she had pneumonia. And right now you can't go to the hospital because COVID-19. And uh, that's 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 a terrible thing that my mom's in the hospital. She, she's a senior. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm on here. I'm talking to you guys. And I'm excited. I'm motivated. And uh, at the same token, I'm talking to my my sister, my brother, my family and keeping them encouraged and motivated. So that's just just my lifestyle. That's who I am, who I, who I am. I really realized that I've learned in life that your greatest asset is your mindset. It's your mindset. That's your greatest asset. So it's all about the mental. That's important. I have a I have a big big picture question for you. I heard someone ask this in an interview a couple of weeks ago, and I said I, I want to start asking our guests this. Imagine Rory Douglas disappears today. All of your work, all of the the, the things you've published or you know, put out, all the lives you've touched, all the content you've produced, all that stuff goes away. But you're allowed to leave three things, three values on a sticky note on what is the legacy of your of your existence. What would you like that to to say? Of those three things. Wow, that's a great, that's great. Um, one thing I'll say before I answer that, I will tell you guys this. Um, the way I look at things is I believe life doesn't begin until it ends. So all of us are writing our story now. And if you had to explain your story, if, it, if today was your last day, what would it say? Would it be a story that you're comfortable with, that you're happy about? That's the reason why I live life. Um, fully committed, determined, and, and, and I'm very motivated. So I'm writing my story. So I'm trying to get as much done as I can while I can. So if it was to end, the three things are pretty much what I would tell people. I would tell people, your dreams are not a figment of your imagination, just showing you glimpses of your future. So well said. And awesome question, Landon, by the way. That was, that was really awesome. That was so, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That, yeah, that so, was a tear, tearjerker, man. <laughs> yeah no for real um now you, you gotta have me start contemplating what what that looks like for me too uh rory we're we're, we're almost at the 30 minute mark here and you know we want to be respectful of your time as well as ours how are there some ways that we can follow you on social media websites anything uh any business to come from this how are some ways that our followers can reach out to you they can simply go to rorydouglas.net RoryDouglas.net. Also, they can go to my firm, which is AquafinancialCenter.com, AquafinancialCenter.com. And also during times of pandemic right now, I'm having free financial literacy workshops. So people can actually go there and register. And uh, you can just get me on all my handles on RoryDouglas.net. Awesome. Love the, love the free value. Definitely going to hop on that for sure. Uh, well, that being said, thank you so much for coming on, spreading some amazing genuine vibes into the uh into the conversation and some amazing shedding some light on financial literacy and life coaching really excited to see where life takes you and to really follow your journey so glad we connected man thank you guys so much i really want to uh let you guys know what you guys are doing man is so valuable and uh keep keep on uh working out there in the marketplace changing lives man and and that's what it's all about so i uh when i think about you guys i think as you guys as change agents change agents that's what i i look at you guys as change agents so keep on making changes and keep doing what you're doing thanks for having awesome me. i appreciate your kind words and uh it's a 
the platform we have would be nothing without amazing guests like you. So it works both ways. Thank you so much. Thank you. for tuning in to the learn lead podcast where you get to own your life stay tuned for our future guests coming soon make sure to like and subscribe